Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Welcome to Michigan Opera Theater's Opera Here podcast. This is Andrea Scobie and Arthur White with Michigan Opera Theater. We are thrilled you have joined us today as we preview Stephen Sondheim's musical thriller, Sweeney Todd. This year, we celebrate the 40th anniversary of this Tony Award-winning work, it having debuted on Broadway in 1979, and marks the second time Michigan Opera Theater has mounted a production of this work in our 48-year history. Michigan Opera Theater's production of Sondheim's Sweeney Todd opens November 16th and runs through November 24th at the Detroit Opera House. In today's podcast, we'll tell you the story of Sweeney Todd, give you a bit about its history, and we'll be joined by one of the principal performers in the stage production. We want to take a minute at the start to thank Jake Neer and WDET for their assistance in producing our Opera Here podcasts. The musical work is based off the 1973 play Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street by Christopher Bond. Stephen Sondheim wrote the music and the lyrics off the book provided by Hugh Wheeler, debuting the musical on Broadway on March 1st, 1979, at what is known today as the Gershwin Theater. So let's jump right into the story. Sweeney Todd opens on the docks of London in 1846, and the first thing we see is the citizens of London. Um, they're assembled kind of as a Greek chorus throughout the piece, and they, they open it for us. They introduce us to Sweeney Todd, and they set up the drama to come. Arthur, what happens next? Now, the young sailor Anthony Hope and this mysterious Sweeney Todd now appear on the docks. They've obviously uh, had some previous history. They befriended each other. Uh, Anthony ends up rescuing a stranded Sweeney Todd earlier on, and the two have become friends. But soon the two men uh, part ways. Uh, Sweeney Todd is making his way to Fleet Street, where he's looking for a pie shop, where he meets uh, the widow Mrs. Lovett, who laments the scarcity of meat and customers in her first number, The Worst Pies in London. These are probably the worst pies in London. I know why nobody cares to take them. I should know and make them. But good now, the worst pies in London. Todd asks after her empty apartment upstairs, and she tells him the story of its previous tenant, a uh, barber named Benjamin Barker, who was sent away on false charges that were trumped up by the evil Judge Turpin, who, along with his servant, Beetle Bamford, uh, lured Barker's wife to the judge's home uh, where he assaulted her. Todd's reaction to this reveals that he really is Benjamin Barker. He's so upset about hearing this story. He can no longer keep this disguise up anymore and uh, and reveals who he really is. But uh, promising to keep their secret, Mrs. Lovett goes on to explain that Lucy, his young wife, then poisoned herself and that his daughter, uh, the then infant daughter, Joanna, became a ward of the judge. Now, upon hearing this, Todd swears revenge on the judge and the beetle who have sent him away, destroyed his wife, um, and ultimately kidnapped his daughter. Um, and Mrs. Lovett presents Todd with his old collection of sterling silver straight razors. And this persuades Todd to take up his old profession. See this one shine, how he smiles in the light. My friend, my faithful friend. 
Elsewhere, Anthony spies a beautiful girl singing at her window. He finds out from a beggar woman that her name is Joanna. Now, unaware that Joanna is Todd's daughter, uh, he immediately is enamored and he pledges to return for her uh, even after the judge has chased him away. Italian barber named Adolfo Pirelli, with whom Todd shared a past, turns up at Todd's barbershop threatening to blackmail him. However, Todd slits his throat. Now suddenly the judge appears and Todd quickly seats him and lulls him with a very relaxing conversation. Uh, but before Todd can kill the judge, Anthony now enters and blurts his elopement plan to Todd. Now this accidentally informs the judge, uh, who now storms out and vows never to return. Now, Todd drives Anthony away in a fit of fury and is reminded of the evil he sees in London. He resolves to depopulate the city by murdering his future customers since all people deserve to die, the rich to be punished for their corruption and the poor to be relieved of their misery. Upon learning of Pirelli's murder and of Todd's plans, Mrs. Lovett suggests that they use the bodies of the victims in her meat pies, and Todd happily agrees. This darkly hilarious and nimbly punny song, A Little Priest, closes Act One. So it's pretty fresh. It's awful lot of fat. Only where it's sat. Haven't you got poet or something like that? No, you see, the trouble with poet is how do you know it's deceased? Try the priest. When Act Two opens, it is several weeks later, and Mrs. Lovett's pie shop has become a huge success, a very successful business. Todd and Mrs. Lovett have acquired a specially designed mechanical barber's chair that allows Todd to first kill his clients and then send their bodies directly through a chute into the pie shop's basement bakehouse. Now, Beetle Bamford arrives at one point to investigate the strange smoke and the stench from the pie shop's chimney. Um, Todd offers the Beetle a free shave and then dispatches him. Now, from here, uh, all of the characters come together. They bring the action to its predictably uh, bloody close. And with any good tragic opera, we see many of our characters die at the end. But I'm not going to give away at this moment who lives and who dies. In the words of the opening number, what happens next? Well, that's the play. And we wouldn't want to give it away. So we invite you to come to the Michigan Opera Theater to be surprised and to learn the ending. A 
so this is such a great piece. We are so excited to see it at MOT. Um, Arthur, did you know much about Sweeney Todd before uh, they announced, MOT announced we were doing it? Did you have familiarity? I first saw a production of Sweeney Todd several years back on PBS uh, with the great Patti Lapone. Uh, and I was fascinated by the work ever since. One of the things I find very fascinating about this piece, and we'll get into this later in our uh, podcast, talking about whether this is a musical or an opera. But, you know, for me as a big opera lover, uh, the idea that all the characters at the end of this piece are dead is extremely <laughs> operatic. It's something like out of Puccini's Tosca. So it's very, very uh Operatic, and so I've always seen this piece personally as a as an opera. As an opera, I, I am devil's advocate on the other side of the coin. I grew up loving musical theater um, from the time I was very little. Movie musicals were kind of my entree into this world, and um, so I have loved Sweeney Todd since I was a kid. Since I was probably too young to love Sweeney Todd, <laughs> given the subject matter. Um, so in my mind, it's always been so firmly a musical because it had its premiere on Broadway. Um, has often, but not exclusively, been done with theater actors as opposed to opera singers. Um, but it definitely is a piece that that skirts that line, and I'm I'm starting to move further and further into thinking, yeah, no, this this really is an opera, not a musical, as I had originally always thought of it. Well, can you tell me then why do you think it's an opera, or closer to, to an opera now than maybe previously? I still think it really firmly has a foot in both worlds. But for me, when I think about what differentiates a musical from an opera um, is the role of the music and the way the story is delivered. Um, in musical theater, you have um, kind of the confluence of music and text and dance and all of these production elements to tell the story. And in opera, the story is primarily driven through its music and its characters and themes are revealed um, through the composition and through the music. Um, and the more I learn about Sondheim's music for Sweeney Todd and the more I see kind of the clues that he as a composer has left for us in the music, um, it it really has, has changed my mind. And I think you're right when you talked about it having a foot in both worlds. You know, in the opera world, um, most all the music is usually sung. And so in here in this piece, um, certainly it's not 100% sung, but I would say it's 80%, 80%. at least uh, sung, which is certainly greater than the average musical, which has a, probably half and half dialogue and music. Right, right. Andrea, can you tell us how exactly Sweeney Todd came about? Sure. So the character of Sweeney Todd actually predates the opera, the opera or the musical, um, that we know by well over 100 years. Um, many folks have actually assumed that Sweeney Todd's fictional crimes were based on a true story. Um, some people think that Sweeney Todd is actually Jack the Ripper or a disguise Jack the Ripper story. Um, sorry for any uh, Jack the Ripper theorists out there, but Sweeney is his own person and is entirely a work of fiction. Uh, Sweeney Todd was first brought to us by the way of some lurid literary history. Um, his story originated in a series of Penny Dreadfuls, which were stories um, published in weekly parts, each part uh, which cost a penny. And the subject matter of these stories was usually very sensational in nature, um, very violent. It focused on the exploits of detectives, criminals. Uh, sometimes there were supernatural elements to these Penny Dreadfuls. And in 1846, there was a publisher named Edward Lloyd uh, who published published a story called The String of Pearls in a weekly magazine, and its main character was Sweeney Todd. He was described as a long, low-jointed, ill-put-together sort of fellow, and that story included most of the plot elements that remain today in the opera. There's the barber shop, the star-crossed lovers, and the enterprising, devious character of Mrs. Lovett. 
Now, upon its publication, The String of Pearls proved to be a sensation. It was turned into a play before the ending to these weekly stories had even been revealed in print. Um, An expanded edition appeared in 1850. It became a play in 1865. And by the 1870s, Sweeney Todd was a character familiar to most Victorians, and many believed him to have been a real man. Now, fascination with this story and the character persisted over the decades. There were silent film versions. Um, In 1960, we saw a Sweeney Todd ballet, which I would love to see. Um, And uh, and in 1973 came this play by Christopher Bond. Um, And as I said, er the earliest incarnation of the story had so many of the plot elements already in place. But what Bond did was introduce this really fascinating psychological backstory um, to who Todd was and to his crimes. Um, It was Christopher Bond, the playwright, who uh, introduced the story of this ruthless judge who had coveted Todd's young wife and transported Todd uh, to Australia um, as a prisoner. And now Sondheim saw this play and he felt that the addition of music would still further greatly increase the drama uh, and transform it into a different kind of theatrical experience. Um, And he did just that. And Sweeney Todd, upon its Broadway debut in 1979, became an unlikely hit. It really blended these elements of comedy and horror. And it introduced this character to the United States, this kind of relatively obscure piece of London folklore. And on top of all that, this was a piece that just cemented Sondheim's reputation and his status as a classic. American composer. Arthur, can you tell us about Sondheim? Sure. Sondheim was born Stephen Joshua Sondheim in 1930 in New York uh, during the Great Depression. Um, At the age of nine, he sees his first Broadway musical, Very Warm for May, and he becomes captivated. Now, the following year, he becomes friends with James and Oscar Hammerstein II, who, who becomes a surrogate father to him and a theater mentor until his death. Now, early in his professional career, Sondheim met playwright and screenwriter Arthur Lawrence, who introduced him to Jerome Robbins and Leonard Bernstein uh, as the possible lyricist for West Side Story, uh, which he was ultimately chosen for and became one of the most successful shows ever produced on Broadway. He followed this up with Gypsy in 1959 with another absolute classic. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum followed in 1962, which won the Tony Award for Best Musical and was made into a successful film in 1966. These were followed by critically lauded and influential musicals like Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Merrily We Roll Along, Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods, Assassins, and more. Now, Sondheim is known for his wide range of compositional styles and complex, witty wordplay, and rhyme schemes. Stephen Sondheim has won eight Tony Awards, eight Grammys, five Olivier Awards, and in 2015, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. Musical experts have often argued whether Sweeney Todd is a musical or an opera. Now, Sondheim himself has called the work a black operetta, Now, Skylar Chapin, the former general manager of the Metropolitan Opera, said upon seeing the work, it's a modern American opera, and like an opera, the piece is almost entirely sung. Houston Grand Opera was the first opera company to produce this work in June of 1984, and Michigan Opera Theater followed suit the following year in 1985. 
Musically, the piece has the typical Broadway belt characters one expects in the comedic and ironic patter songs of Mrs. Lovett. But the piece also possesses death and great suffering, as found in Sweeney's character, uh, where at the end of Act One, uh, in his epiphany, he suffers a complete mental collapse in the quest for vengeance. Musically, Sondheim relies heavily on musical themes and leitmotifs, which constantly run through the entire piece. The musical centerpiece of the work relies on the 13th century Gregorian chant, Dies Irae, or the day of wrath and doom impending. Sondheim adopts this tune to Sweeney's theme, and it occurs throughout, often inverting or cleverly disguising the theme in the orchestration. Like Wagner, Sondheim constantly uses light motifs or recurring musical themes associated with a particular person or situation. When the sailor Anthony is on the stage or is referenced, you hear a short fanfare. Sondheim even gives a light motif to Big Ben's Westminster chimes so that we know we are in London and nowhere else. There are at least 20 distinct light motifs which can be identified throughout the score. It's incredible. Stephen Sondheim's work in this is, uh, I think, unmatched in the American musical theater. We are so excited to hear this score and see the story come to life, and I'm so pleased now to introduce someone who is integral to that process, our Mrs. Lovett, Tony Award winner, and Michigan native, Karen Ziemba. Welcome. Thank you. So nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. Now, this production is something of a homecoming for you. Uh, You are from St. Joseph, Michigan, originally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell us about your early years? Well, in St. Joseph, Michigan, I was a little toddler, (laughs) and uh, I went to elementary school in St. Joe, and then um, Dad's job changed, so we moved to the east side of Michigan, South Michigan, and uh, I uh, grew up in the suburbs of Detroit in Farmington Hills. And that's sort of where I caught the bug uh, doing musicals. However, we, um, my grandmother, Winifred Height, sang on the air in Detroit, um, NBC Detroit Radio, back in the 40s and uh, 30s and 40s. And she, uh, so we had music in our house, you know, ever since I was a kid. And my brothers and I are all musicians of a sort. But that's kind of how we all uh, started, uh, was just musically singing in church, singing in school, in chorales. And I, of course, started dancing when I was uh, six. Ah. So I've been... I was a ballet dancer for many, many years and a tap dancer. So my mom, who didn't get to be the dancer, gave her daughter the dance. Ah, well, that actually brings me to my next question. Yes. So early in your career, you performed with the Ohio Ballet right. uh, before moving on to the national tour and then uh, Broadway companies of a chorus line. Uh, what brought you from ballet to Broadway? Yes, well, I um, when I was in college uh, at the University of Akron, my ballet teacher from here, Evelyn Creason in Farmington, who was uh, such a great lady and a wonderful teacher, she brought the girls and guys to New York to see what it was like to be a small fish in a big pond. And, but that's really where I got my, my really good training. And so I decided I wanted to go be in a dance department because I thought at one point that I wanted to be a concert dancer. And however, uh, that didn't work out, but it was great training to get into the musical theater, which is what I eventually started doing when I moved to New York. But I was with the Ohio Ballet for a year in Akron, and then I decided, mm, I want to sing too. <laughs> so I ended up uh, continuing with my dancing and my singing, which brought me to the musical theater, which was a, great to have both of those under my belt training-wise to uh, get uh, my first job in the musical theater in New York. 
Well, you've excelled, obviously, at three disciplines, dance we talked about, obviously as an actor and as a singer. Uh, do you consider yourself one more than any of the others? Well, now that I am of a certain age, I like to say that the dance is still there. I can move well, but I can't dance the way I used to when I was in my, you know, 20s and 30s. It's only been 10 years It's then. only been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, but it certainly was a, a great, uh, it was such a fabulous thing to have in my life because that's how I started out. And, and because I have had that training, it just helps you enter a stage and ent- enter a theater on stage with um, aplomb and with confidence. And the singing just was something that uh, thankfully came along with it because I was very musical. And I, singing at such a young age, I, it, I just always felt good doing it. It made me feel good to tell stories that way. Mrs. Lovett is such an iconic character. Um, she's funny. She's brilliant. She's somewhere between devious and completely mad. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping you can give us your take on her. Um, tell us about this character and tell us about your approach to this character. Well, I think how you described her is absolutely right. She's got so many different levels. She's sort of like this, uh, has many different personalities, depending on how she has to manipulate someone, get what she wants. It's all about the result. It's like, if I need this, I'm going to do that. And she is not afraid to do some things that are maybe criminal in getting there. So she's a woman of the street. She's, uh, I mean, she, she's not homeless, but she's, uh, she's definitely somebody who's street smart and will do what she has to do. You know, it's, she's very selfish and very, um, like I said, you know, at, at all costs, she'll get what she wants. And sometimes you do that in a very sweet, manipulative, calculating way. We know people like that. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> so there's been a, a great debate raging for years, but certainly now, uh, even just with Arthur and I, we weighed in on this earlier. Um, do you believe that Sweeney Todd is a musical or an opera? Yes. <laughs> That's the perfect Good answer. answer. <laughs> and I think a lot of uh, the reasons why Sweeney is done in the opera world is because of the quality of the music, the kind of um, classically based score that Sondheim has written. Um, and it does have its moments of English musical and vaudeville, but it still is in, it is voiced in a way that an opera company and the quality of voices that you have in an opera company would definitely be able to, uh, perform. And the characters are very theatrical and large and can be over the top. And I think that, that works its way well into, um, the kind of operatic canon, but mostly because of the the score itself. It needs great voices, you know, I think, pr- primarily in this show. I mean, I am not the kind of singer that, I'm not an opera singer, but I, for the, the quality that's needed for Mrs. Lovett, uh, it, she does not have an operatic, um, her, uh, her track is not an operatic track. So I can use my the voice that I have for it. But an opera singer could also play that part too. It's just that there, but there are some roles in this piece, like Joanna, like Anthony, like uh, the judge, like Sweeney, you need a very well-trained singer to 
play those parts. Yeah. But, you know, listening to Mrs. Lovitz, especially the worst pies, that's some tricky writing, too. There's yes, a lot of is. chess, but then you have to go into your head. You have to have a really good voix mix. And right. So that ain't no nothing. You know, that's that's true. not That's not nothing. You must <laughs> navigate that one. <laughs> does, that, does that give you any uh, other particular challenges vocally to of this Of course. Piece? Oh, yeah. You have to really pay attention. You can't just run out there and say, oh, I'm going to sing Worst Pies in London. Uh, and you have to, it's almost like you have to be talking on the music. Uh, because not only is it uh, technically tricky, but she changes her mind. She like goes in and out of those personalities in it too, for like trying to like come on to Sweeney, and then all of a sudden she's like badgering about something else, and she's her mind just bounces back and forth. She's very uh, ADHD. I think. Yeah. <laughs> she just How long did it place. take to learn that fast pattern? Sometimes you're off the beat, and it's 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 it's, it's schizophrenic. You really do have to. Practice, practice, practice. It's true. It's can't let you can't take it take it for granted at all. Just quickly with our last couple of minutes, I have two two more questions. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any projects coming up you'd like to speak with us about? Anything oh, you should be aware of? New projects. <laughs> well, uh, I have been asked to play the role of uh, uh, Sally Durant Plummer in a production of Follies. Uh, this next year in San Francisco, which is another Sondheim piece. I was going to say, I've can't always get wanted to do. And then possibly later in um, 2020, uh, if we keep our fingers crossed, a piece that I've been working on for a while um, about uh, Edgar Degas and his muse for the Little Dancer sculpture. Um, it's called it's called Marie Dancing Still, about Marie van Goethem, who was the ballerina, who was the muse for his um, piece of art. And we've done productions of it and we have done a lot of workshops readings of it and musicals take a long time to come to broadway sometimes mm. and so this has been a long road but we're hoping that it might get its its moment yeah. on broadway next year or the year after something oh. like that we hope well as a musical theater fan my fingers are very very crossed i'm Thank looking you. forward to that Thank so um just lastly we always ask our guests is there anything more um that you would like to share about the piece about your character about being here with michigan opera theater well just the fact that it was michigan opera theater uh and friends of mine like ron and like others who have worked here before uh, uh loved working at michigan opera theater i said i have to do this and i have to go back to my one of my hometowns and and do this piece and and I just love Sweeney Todd it's just it's just an incredible piece of theater of music uh, a great night um, it's scary it's funny it's beautiful uh, so I'm very proud to be part of it well we can't wait to see you and thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. thanks for having me and thank you, too, to everyone listening to our glimpse into Sweeney Todd. Don't miss our production at the Detroit Opera House, opening November 16th and running through November 24th. To purchase tickets to Sweeney Todd or to find more information on the opera, visit our website at michiganopera.org. You can also connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you again to Jake Neer and WDET for their assistance, and we'll see you at the opera. <laughs>